Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. And John Harlow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow here tonight. We're talking the news of the week in NASCAR. Landon Castle out at Front Row Motorsports. We're going to discuss that. What are Landon's future plans for for 2018 and beyond? Now that Front Row Motorsports will be moving on from the veteran driver, we'll talk about that. What about Front Row Motorsports? Who do they go with? Uh, Landon said there was radical changes for the team. What kind of radical changes is he referring to? We'll touch on that as well. Plus, uh, rumors... Today actually came out, Motorsport.com had it about Brennan Poole moving from, well, not returning to Chip Ganassi Racing in the Xfinity Series. Uh, and the rumors are he will join Richard Childress Racing in the NASCAR Cup Series. We'll discuss that, his expectations. If, he does, if that does happen, how real do we think that is? And we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. Plus, we got Talladega this weekend. I know John's favorite race this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. Who will be standing in victory lane on Sunday? But first, John, it's Landon Castle. Uh, a 28-year-old veteran driver has been in the sport here for five, six years now. Uh, started his career, his really his cup career. I mean, he was, if you remember, he started his career off at uh, Hendrick Motorsports running a development deal for that team in the Xfinity Series way back when it was called the Bush Series. Started and parked a lot for um, Larry Gunzelman's team for uh, TRG Motorsports back in the day. Worked his way into an organization at uh, Circle Sport Racing and then Mike Hillman Racing. And then he joined Front Row Motorsports last season. Had a pretty good year. They moved into the 34 car. Uh, but that will be his final year at Front Row Motorsports after a struggle in 2017. Landon Castle's out at Front Row Motorsports at the end of 2017. Are you shocked, John? Not really. I mean, Landon Castle's a, a nice little driver, but he doesn't set the world on fire. And Front Row Motorsports, to this point in time, other than their restrictor plate win they have with David Reagan, they have and the uh, rain win they have with uh, Chris Busher a couple years ago at Pocono, Front Row Motorsports is a 25th to 30th place car on most days. They're usually 30 to 30, 30 to 30 second in points most years. Um, it's really it's a ho-hum, not a big deal thing. Um, what surprised me was Landon Castle. I mean, you thought his career would, would take off pretty well whenever he starts as a development driver for Hendrick Motorsports. And usually Rick doesn't miss whenever he picks drivers. And you look at some of the drivers he's picked. He's picked Kyle Busch. Now, Kyle Busch flamed himself out in the shop, but Kyle Busch is a hell of a driver. He picked Kyle Busch, stole him from Roush when he was 17. He picked Chase Elliott. He picked William Byron and stole him from Toyota, but actually Junior had him in late models before. Um, He's got a lot of young talent that he's built and grown through the ranks. He stole Jeff Gordon from uh, Bill Davis whenever he was a young pup. They discovered Jimmy Johnson when he was running like crap in the 92 Excedrin car back in the Bush series way back in the day. Jimmy Johnson didn't do anything in the Bush series, but Rick Hendrick, when he picks a driver to put in the development deal, usually they pan out pretty darn good. Landon Castle's just sort of been a ho-hum his whole time. He never really set the world on fire driving for Hendrick Motorsports in the Bush series. 
I mean, you said he was a starting Parker for a while, drove a little bit for uh, Circle Sport, got into front row, but really didn't do much anything there. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't know if Landon Castle's going to have a place to go. But he says he's got sponsorship attached to him, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, Landon, you know, part of his statement was that he's kind of excited to see what doors open for me. He said, I have a unique resume in this sport right now. I think my youth is kind of what helps me stay plugged on the social media side off the track. And I have tremendous amount of experience in the Cup Series, maybe not having the limelight of a top-notch team. I'd like to work myself into one of those scenarios where I can showcase what I've learned. Um, you know, he, he is a big presence on social media. I don't know if you follow Landon Castle on Twitter or not, uh, the fans that everybody listening out there, but he does have a, a, uh, a big social following. He last year uh, made a, a big push for 38 comma nice. And that was a, a big campaign. He ran on social media, got a lot of publicity there. Um, you know, and I thought he had a pretty good year last year at Front Row Motorsports in 2016. There's no doubt 2017 has not been the season they've wanted from him. I think they thought he would make the next step, and he didn't do it. They had Donnie Wingo there, who was his crew chief for the 38 team, so he didn't have to learn a new crew chief. Um, and it was a real struggle for the first half of the year, and they decided to go a different way. Um, I think Landon, before that, I thought he did very good. I thought he ran pretty good for Hillman. I thought he... he uh, you know, made races. He did everything he needed to do for him on racing. And I thought going to front row motorsports was the next natural pro- progression in his career. I don't know where he's going to end up. I don't know what he wants to take next year. Um, but I am kind of surprised as far as I never like having a guy's career come down to one season and say, well, he's an awful driver because he had one bad year. Or he didn't, you know, he deserves to lose his ride because he had one bad year. So much can happen in a year. So many crazy things. You could just have a, a rotten luck. And Landon's had a lot of rotten luck this year. Uh, but they haven't run great. And compared to his teammate who's had a pretty good year in David Reagan, um, you know, Reagan is beating Landon in points. He runs better than him every week, uh, pretty much every week. Um, I, I guess that's part of the reason why they, wanted, they decided to go get rid of Landon here and, and go in a different direction in 2018. Um, who do you think that front of motorsports is going to go with? You know, Michael McDowell's been tied to this ride. Uh, he's a guy who's leaving the 95 car at the end of the year because uh, Casey Kane's going there. Do you see them maybe going after a Michael McDowell? Is there another name or two out there that you might see thrown, thrown around there to replace Landon? Well, one of the things that um, you and I were talking about before the show with Landon Castle saying he expects big changes at front row motorsports might be a change in manufacturer. And if it's the change in manufacturer that possibly could be, I mean, Toyota's going down a team with uh, the 77 card going away. Toyota could probably do one more set of engines than they always already do with uh, the TRD engines instead of going triad. Who knows? Could be Matt Kenseth. Toyota does like them. They may end up saying, hey, Matt, we got a place for you. And you notice he's never said a word the whole time since Joe Gibbs has gone away. The only thing he's done is say where he's not going. So that could be something crazy. That would be, the, you know, how both of us said, if you're a team that's trying to build yourself and make yourself better, get your hands on Matt Kenseth. Back the bank up as much as you can. Put Matt Kenseth in, and your car is going to get better. Your team is going to get better. Who knows? That might be the step that Bob Jenkins is trying to go. <laughs> 
Yeah, listen, there's it, Landon did say radical changes are on the horizon. He horizon. He was told at front of motorsports, and I don't know how much that bodes for David Reagan. Uh, David Reagan's a, a nice driver, but he's you know uh, above the age of thirty right now. Hasn't done a whole lot. He won his his uh, restricted plate race with front row motorsports, but that's 2012 now. So it's five years ago now. And, you know, he's had a good year this year. Front row motorsports is his season coming back to the team. He spent four years there prior to, to making a jump to Kyle Busch's 18 car in uh, 2015 and then going to the Aaron's car and then running 2016 for BK racing and then the front row motorsports again in 2017. But, um, you know, David has a relationship with Toyota prior they might have liked what he brought to the organization. You know, maybe Joe Gibbs Racing is saying, hey, listen, we like David Reagan a lot, and, and there'll be an alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing somehow if they move to Toyota. Uh, I think it's also a possibility we could see him move to, Chevro- to Chevrolet, but I think there's definitely some kind of manufacturer change going on, some kind of big change going on in front of motorsports right now. Um, you know, it could be Michael McDowell. You know, he was tied to this ride, like I said, when J-Ski had it, uh, I think in like July, that um, – Casey Kane was going to move to the 95 car and uh, Michael McDowell was going to move to the 34 and McDowell's had a pretty good year in that 95. Uh, they have a, they have an association with Richard Childress racing. The 95 team does Todd Parrott's a great crew chief. Maybe they figure out a way to uh, go to Chevrolet with an RCR Alliance and uh, you know, bring Todd Parrott into their fold, get Todd Parrott's, information in there and David Reagan stays status quo and goes with the 38. That's a possibility. I could see him doing that. They've also been tied to Bubba Wallace who uh, no doubt, I think NASCAR and everybody wants to see him in a better ride than front row motorsports, like a Richard Petty motorsports ride. But if Richard Petty motorsports can't find a sponsorship for Bubba Wallace, front row motorsports might be his only option to go to. So I could see them going front with Bubba Wallace. So, a couple of names thrown out there, maybe even a Danica Patrick, if if it's an RCR alliance where Danica's been aligned to RCR here in the last couple of weeks, where she might be running for Richard Childress Racing. So a lot of news left to come out yet, and certainly a lot of names thrown around in that number 34 car for next year, John. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, again, we all thought the silly season would um, center around Matt Kenseth. And the musical chairs have been going on. The music's about ready to stop, and there's no spot for Matt Kenseth yet. I mean, there's no spot for Danica yet. You hear her possibly tied up with Richard Childers, but there's also the other rumor that's floating around uh, that we'll talk about later when it comes to Brennan Poole. Um, Richard Petty Motorsports, I mean, um, Andrew Merstein has basically come out and said, we're trying to sell Bubba to any sponsor who will do it. We want Bubba in that car, but we need a sponsor. And I mean, like we said, and we're still looking at the old charter situation. Who's going to, there should be more charters than there are cars at the end of the, as this is going through, because people could be contracting. We already saw the uh, 77 charter get sold to the 37 at JTG Doherty which means there's a charter coming back to Roush Fenway. Where is it going to go? Yeah, no doubt. There's, the charter news is, is is huge. But, you know, when you think about Richard Childress Racing, there's talk they might go to four cars next year, which is surprising considering they only had two, uh, three this year and they were losing their fully funded ride, their big-time fully funded ride with Paul Menard going to uh, the Wood Brothers next season. So I think a lot of people thought, well, they're only going to run two teams, have – 
the alliance with uh, Jermaine Racing, have the alliance with JTD Daughtery Racing, have the alliance with the 95 car Levine family, uh, and kind of be happy with that. Well, now it looks like, and, and this is the next news of the day, that Brennan Poole might be going there. Brennan Poole was announced today, not announced today, but reported on today that um, uh, Brennan Poole will not return to Chip Ganassi Racing. Motorsport.com had it at the end of the year. Um, and the big rumor is he will be going to the Cup Series next season with Richard Childress Racing. Um, he's 26 years old. He's, he's driven the number 42 Chevrolet into the chase. The last two seasons in 2016 and 2017 here, John, doesn't have a win yet. Um, but Brandon Poole's a name I don't think a lot of people expected for a big-time cup ride next year. But he's got a big-time sponsor behind him, DC Solar. Those people really like him. They like what he brings off the racetrack. He does a pretty decent job on the racetrack. My question to you is, is it too soon? Is it too soon for Brandon Poole to come to the Cup Series and run with Richard Childress Racing? Or do you think Richard Childress Racing kind of has to do what it has to do uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a little bit of Brennan Poole being too soon. I think it's probably a little bit of DC Solar saying, hey, we're going to get more bang for our buck. If we can, I mean, they're probably paying Chip Ganassi five, six million bucks to be on the Cup, I mean, on the uh, Xfinity Series car with Brennan Poole. They pay 10 million bucks to get on a children's car. They're going to get more return on the investment because they're going to be on big time TV with big time people watching because right now you, me, Lee in Virginia and five of our closest friends make up half of an Xfinity series crowd these days. And the ratings at the Xfinity series are, I mean, you, me, Lee in Virginia and four or five of our friends go out and dance in front of TV and there'll probably be more people watch us and watch the Xfinity race. And that'd be sad. You're right, and that's the thing, you know, with these drivers taking uh, so much less money than what we've seen in the past, um, I think it's a it's interesting because you sit there and go, well, now that the, the salaries have come down a little bit, maybe that's lowered the stock of what a cup team is asking a sponsor to step up and pay for a driver in a car. And maybe DC Solar says, well, you know, we're only going to get the difference between running cup and Xfinity next year is four to $5 million, but we get so much more exposure in Xfinity, in the cup series than we do in the Xfinity series. So I could totally see that, um, you know, an interesting scenario there uh, to me, you know, this was a surprise because I thought OCR would kind of want to, um, you know, scale back a little bit, figure out what's going on because they haven't had a lot of speed this year. Sure, they won with Ryan Newman. Sure, they won with Austin Dillon. But they haven't been that fast this year. Their speed's been, been lacking for most of the year. Paul Menard for really all season has been really, really tough. They've had a really tough year with Matt Boyland as a crew chief there. Um, so it's been, it was surprising to me because I thought they would say, you know what, let's rein our resources a little bit. Let's figure out what we're going on and then come back and expand to three cars. But it sounds like they might be even doing four cars. You know, if Poole goes to the, to the Cup Series of Richard Childress Racing, there's rumors Danica Patrick's going to go there next season. Um, and that's a four-car operation next year, and maybe even more with, you know, when you think about Richard Childress Racing, like I said earlier, they are providing engines and chassis to a two-car operation at JTD Daughtery Racing, to Jermaine Racing uh, is 13 car, and to the 95 team. So they got a lot and a lot of, of associations, you know, they're, they're building chassis and engines for eight or nine cars next season. 
That's a lot. Do you think that will hurt Richard Childress Racing going forward? I mean, no disrespect to Brendan Poole or Danica Patrick, but it's not like they're going out and getting a driver that they had to go get. Um, these drivers are funded here, I think, and I think that's a big uh, reason why they're getting signed on here. But what do you think about Richard Childress Racing if the potential comes that they're going to be in a four-car operation next season? I think they're spread too thin already, and if they add two more cars to it, it's even going to be thinner. I mean, and it's not like they're going to get a lot of great feedback from Danica if she ends up there or Brennan Poole. I mean, Brennan Poole's will be driving cup cars for the first time in his life. Everything's going to be news. Everything's going to be news to him um, because he doesn't really know what to expect. And Danica's had what four or five different crew chiefs over there at Stuart Haas racing. Everybody from Greg Zipidelli to Tony Gibson to um, the guy she has on the box now, um, Billy Scott, Daniel Canoes. Billy Scott, who and Daniel Canoes. I mean, she's had some crew chiefs who've done well with other drivers. I mean, you can't argue with Zippy. You can't argue with Tony Gibson. And Danica's been a 25th to 30th place driver. And that's where she's finishing the points every year. I don't think she's going to bring anything to the team except maybe money if she gets it attached to her. Yeah, I think that's where uh, she can still bring some value to an organization. An interesting thought about this, John, and this is something that um, was brought up in a casual conversation with a mutual friend of ours. And I'm going to bring it on the show tonight because I think it's very, very interesting. Think of it this way. You know, when Ford went out and got Stuart Haas racing at the end of the 2016 season, it was contingent on being a four-car operation. Ford liked the fact that Stuart Haas racing has four cars. They liked the fact that... um, they are, you know, it brings four good race teams, four chances at more chances at winning, four more chances at getting high manufacturer points for the manufacturer championship. So they like the fact that they're a four-car operation. With RCR expanding and having their little cult with JTG, with Jermaine, with uh, Levine family, and then you have Casey Kane. Is this painting a picture? We heard last week, I heard at Dover, a rumor that an MRN personality was out at Dover spewing news that Richard Childress Racing was going to go to Dodge in 2019. Well, when you look at the lineup they have, Ryan Newman, a former Dodge driver, Casey Kane in that uh, situation, a former Dodge driver, AJ Yombenanger, Dodge is very high on him when he went to Penske. Uh, Do you see this as a possibility that Maybe RCR is getting their stars aligned for a big-time change in 2019 and moving everybody that they have to Dodge for 2019. What do you think the possibilities are for that? Well, it better happen fast because you have to put your um, stuff in front of NASCAR over a year in advance. And they said it's going to be pretty tough for anybody to get their stuff together for 2019. They might be looking at 2020. But it's going to be it would be tight for Dodge to come in and do it. You hear the rumors. You've heard rumors of Dodge since the beginning of the year. Uh, you've also heard the rumors uh, where Brian France said he was talking to other manufacturers about possibly coming into the sport. The one thing that Dodge was looking for if they were going to come back in, they needed somebody to build engines. Childress has a great engine shop. Um, the one thing of it is. They're, they have a loaded team. They have a bunch of them they're putting stuff out for. But if Dodge is coming in, I mean, you look what Dodge came in the first time. 
They made a huge splash. They got Ray Evernham. They got Chip Ganassi. And they got Roger Penske right off the bat. Those are three big names to start your competitive drive in NASCAR with. Toyota went a different route. They went Michael Waltrip Racing. They went Red Bull. They went Bill, Bill, excuse me, Bill Davis. Toyota didn't do anything until Joe Gibbs got in the fold. Richard Childress has been the second in line at Chevy most of the time. Now they're probably third because Ganassi's passed them up. I don't know. I mean, Richard Childress has had a bow tie on his cars since back in the 70s. I don't know if that'll change. But if the right amount of if the Brinks truck comes to Richard Childress Racing like came to Stuart Haas Racing, it could happen because I never thought Tony Stewart would be, would be owning anything that didn't have a bow tie on it either. Yeah, I think we all agree with that. I think uh, when Tony Stewart ran at Toyota back in 2008, it surprised a lot of people. And then when the team moved from Chevrolet to Ford, that even surprised a lot more people. But you know, it's an interesting situation. I think. Um, Anything can happen. We've seen it happen. Nothing surprises me in this sport at all anymore. Um, but I think it, it would be interesting to see if Dodge says, we want a four corporation, get as many cars underneath our banner as we possibly can. If you can expand and get Danica Patrick, a big name driver in there, we'll make it worth your while in 2019 to bring these guys in there. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on for the next six months. No doubt about it. As far as Matt Kenseth is concerned here, John, um, you know, you brought him up earlier in the show. Uh, what are his plans? Listen, I heard a rumor, and this is just strictly a rumor, and, and uh, it's a rumor I read on the Internet, so I don't know if, how much legs it has. But that Kurt Busch has – they've withdrew, Stewart House Racing has withdrew his offer from Kurt Busch, and Ford is willing to take the money f- for Matt Kenseth and put the money up to go out and get Matt Kenseth, for this team to go out and spend money on Matt Kenseth. Um, and maybe that's where Matt Kenseth lands in the 41 car next year. Uh, we still don't know who's going to be in the 10 car. That obviously looks more and more like Eric Amarola, but until Stuart Haas Racing figure out, figures out what's going on with that 41 car and gets that contract signed, I don't know if we'll see what goes on with that 10 car. Uh, so it, kind of an interesting scenario here. they got two cars still out in the open for next season. Uh, what are your thoughts on Stuart Haas Racing's perspectives perspectives for next season i still laugh you listen to matt kenseth remember he said i am not a player for the 10 car didn't say he wasn't a player for the 41 and that is an interesting rumor coming down the pipeline if i'm and ford loved matt kenseth when they had him ford hated the fact that matt kenseth went to toyota but the problem was ford gave roush so much money to keep carl edwards in the ford in the fold in a ford that they couldn't afford Matt Kenseth at the same time. I think you look at why Ford got Stuart Haas racing, and you were right whenever you said it. They have four teams that should be competitive. Kevin Harvick's won a cup championship. Kurt Busch won a cup championship. Clint Boyer has done a lot more in the 14 than Tony did in the last two years in the car. And then Danica, but it looks like they're going to have somebody better than Danica in the car. If it's Almirola, I still I still think it's a stretch because I don't believe in the talent of Eric Almirola being a race winning drive I and mean, competing for wins on a regular basis or competing for top five, top tens. I've never really ever seen it. I still think this is just me thinking wild and outside of the box. 
Christopher Bell is an option. Christopher Bell has driven sprint cars for Tony Stewart throughout this year. Tony Stewart and Christopher Bell have talked a lot. I wouldn't be surprised to see Christopher Bell not go to Xfinity and Joe Gibbs because nothing's been said about him yet. Mm. It's been all quiet. It's all assumed that uh, Christopher Bell is going to go from the truck driving for Kyle Busch into a Joe Gibbs Xfinity car. Nothing's been signed. And now that the truck series is getting toward the end of the year, don't be surprised. It could be a, that's my wild rumor that I'm coming up with and just a trying to connect dots. And you, you would have thought as much as Toyota has invested in Christopher Bell and as much as everybody has, I mean, Christopher Bell has done a great job this year. He did really good last year, and he's, t- he's turned it up about 10 notches this year on his talent scale. William Byron got away from Toyota. Don't be surprised if Christopher Bell does, too. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised. And, and this is another thing to tie into front of motorsports here when I get into it in a second. But I think Christopher Bell, before I go on to my, my little, you know, my what I always talk about Toyota when it comes to them um, – I just don't think he's ready. I, I think he's done a very good job. He's he's won a lot of races in a truck series. Now, we've seen people with less resume, uh, with being less ready, go to the Cup Series beforehand. But I don't think you want to stunt this kid's growth. Um, I think the opportunity to get Christopher Bell is going to be there. you know. And maybe this is where Toyota looks at it from a motorsports as an option to expand. Because I've said it before. You look at what front row – what, Toyota has, and they have something that is great. They have a four-core operation at Joe Gibbs Racing and a solo cooperation that uses Joe Gibbs chassis and engines at Furniture Racing. The problem is they're all very good drivers, and they're all pretty young. Martin Truex Jr. in that 78 is not going anywhere for at least five years. I mean, that team is the odds-on favorite to win the championship. Kyle Busch is locked in. Wherever, however, he wants, however long he wants to drive that 18 car, He's probably going to drive it. Denny Hamlin in the same way in the 11 car. Daniel Suarez just got there in the 19, and Eric Jones hasn't even started there yet. So there's a big clog at Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota right now to, to produce this young talent. They have a lot of young talent out there in the development series. They spent a ton of money in driver development. We saw it with Christopher Bell. We saw it with William Byron, and William Byron went away. Because I think he looked at the future and his future and said, why would I want to stick around at Toyota where I really don't see a future there in the Cup Series? I'll go to Chevrolet and Rick Hendrick, and I'll replace Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'll replace Casey Kane. I'll replace Jimmy Johnson eventually because those guys are getting older. It made sense for him to do that. Christopher Bell is going to be in the same situation. If he runs very good next year in the Xfinity Series and wins a lot of races, I think you could see a team come down and say, let's go out and get him. Maybe a Ganassi, now they're losing Brennan Poole, sits there and goes, you know what, Team McMurray's done a nice job, but we want to bring a nice young driver up here and throw him in the one car, and he'll be our guy. Uh, they have ties to Hendrick, who's done that in the past. You know, and Toyota's just going to keep, keep producing these young drivers. A lot of people were high in Noah Grayson, who runs in the truck series. Um, you know, Matt Sift was a guy that they were high on for a little while, although he might be. it looks like he's leaving. Uh, so listen, I think Toyota and they're going to keep spending this money in driver development, but the problem is they don't have 
the next avenue to go. And maybe they look at Front Row Motorsports there, John, as a team that goes, hey, if we give them a little bit of support, give them TRD engines, our kids can learn how to run there for a couple of years, and we can figure out how to do with them, and we won't lose all the people we developed. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's an opportunity that's there. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the one that, uh, for example, and Eric Jones, I mean, you still look, you got um, Jeff Burton's kid. You've got Myatt Snyder. You've got a ton of toy. I mean, you look at half of the truck series, they're all Toyotas. I mean, there's some really good young drivers coming through the Toyota pipeline. It's sort of like, yeah, if you're like a college football team and you get 75 star recruits, but you only put 22 on the field. There's 47, 50 guys that are wanting to transfer because they're not going to see playing time. Right. So they're looking at where they can go next. There's nothing that says Stuart Haas can't do a second Xfinity car. I mean, they ran a second one part-time with Kevin Harvick. If you have a chance to get Christopher Bell and put him in the Xfinity ride at Stuart Haas, and you have Kenseth, who's got another one to three years left, Say, okay, here you go, Eric, or uh, here you go, um, Christopher. You're going to run Xfinity in the whatever car number we're going to put on that, and you're going to run with Cole Custer, and then when Matt Kenseth says I'm done, you get his car. Or if Eric Almarola does come to the 10 and flames out after a year or two, you've got another guy in the pipeline because another year or two, Cole Custer should be ready. He's a good little driver. Christopher Bell, I think, is every bit the driver Cole Custer is, if not a little more. I can see either of them running at Stuart Haas. I could see Christopher Bell, if uh, front row goes to Toyota, going that route. I don't know if he's locked into the Xfinity. I think he wants to go full bore and run for anything he can because, in reality, nobody really cares about the Xfinity series. You've seen some great drivers. Tony Stewart sucked in the Xfinity series. Jimmy Jimmy Johnson sucked in the Xfinity series whenever they were in it, because they're used to driving big horsepower cars. The trucks don't have the horsepower a cup car does, but it pokes a bigger hole in the, in the air and it's easier to drive. I mean, it's tougher to drive and he's still used to the big horsepower because he still drives sprint cars. I think it would be a great fit of Christopher Bell going, blowing off the Xfinity series and going to the cup series or going to Stuart Haas running Xfinity for a year and come up the cup. I still don't think Christopher Bell's locked in at Joe Gibbs Racing because right now nobody is. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think you look at and you say, it's nice that Toyota's putting all this money out for driver development and bringing in the Todd Gillands of the world, which is rumored that he's going to be running full-time at Cobbush Motorsports next year, uh, bringing in the Harrison Burtons, going out and getting William Byron, going out and keeping uh, Bubba Wallace you know, that that was part of the reason why they lost they lost Bill Wallace in the first place to Ford and Rash Fenway because they just didn't have enough rides in the Xfinity series to keep Bill Wallace happy. And Jack said, I got plenty of room, come over and drive with me. Um so and he did. He had to because that was the only way of his career. They only had Bubba Wallace for five or six Xfinity series races and then he ran a full time two full time years at Rash Fenway racing before running this year and having a sponsorship run out. Not when Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here talking in circles tonight. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you, uh, talking the world of NASCAR here in twenty seventeen. 
yeah, it's interesting. I think um, we that's why we need a manufacturer. You talked about NASCAR coming out and saying, listen, we need a manufacturer. We need uh, somebody else to come into the sport. Um, there are several manufacturers that have had dialogue with NASCAR. I think Dodge is one of them. And so, you know, if Dodge is one of them, the natural fit is Richard Childress Racing. I think Richard Childress Racing missed the ball last time Dodge left the sport. I think they need to figure out a way to get Richard Childress Racing in, a, in Dodge um, in 2019. I think that's the only way Richard Childress Racing survives here because this is a team who has had a pretty good run of it. But people forget that last time they won the championship was in 1994. And that's a long, long time ago now. So um, what do you think about other potential manufacturers, John, while we're on the subject? Uh, Dodge is obviously one a lot of people point to. Who do you think? There, are there a couple other names out there? And now that NASCAR is confirmed, more than one has been in talks with NASCAR. Is there another manufacturer coming down the pipeline? Do you have any idea as far as who they might be? Well, I mean, you look at some of, look at, uh, some of the places that are – big in the South that are building up and manufacturing the cars here that are overseas. BMW has a huge plant down South. Mercedes has a huge plant down South. Honda has a huge plant. They're all building their cars here in the United States. And Honda's done great at the IndyCar level. And you're wondering, it's like, do they want to keep spending their money in IndyCar or do they want to come to NASCAR where, you get twice the attendance, twice the ratings, twice the return on the investment. Or do they want to stay at Indy and uh, run really well? Um, those are some of the ones I could see. I could see Audi with Volks- Volkswagen Audi come over. I mean, they're all possibilities. The only problem is there's only four cars in the future. You get six manufacturers in there, then it's just a money spread. Who can spend the most with their six-car team and get them going? Yeah, especially when you look at there's only a 40-car field now. Um, so you bring up a great point. You know, I think we need at least one more. I think three is a little too low. I think if we get to four, you're looking at it going, okay, we're in good shape now. I think four is the perfect number to have. Uh, you know, if you look at the Chevrolet camp right now, the Chevrolet camp is a little uh, – it's just – it's big. It's huge. You know, between Richard Childress Racing's teams and Hendrick, the team Hendrick supports with Ganassi and all that kind of stuff. So – um, I think it's definitely a possibility that we see a manufacturer here come in here in the next five years. But again, it comes down to money. It comes down to a lot of different things. Um, this weekend, John, in the Cup Series, Talladega Super Speedway. I know it's not one of your favorite races, um, but man, it's an interesting race because it's such a crapshoot. But Denny Hamlin made comments this week about Talladega Super Speedway being the uh, – Final race of the regular season. He doesn't want to see it in the chase. You mentioned last time on the show that you don't want to see it in the chase because it's just there's so much out of the driver's hands. What are your thoughts about moving Talladega to the regular season finale? Do you think that's a better place for it to be? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's uh, better than being in the chase. I mean, picture yourself as a chase driver, and there's a – Caution in the middle is something. You got people playing strategy, thinking they can do X amount on tires. People go in and get their forked tires and fuel. You've got people on different strategies, and to put someone like Jeffrey Earnhardt in 12th position, and you've got five championship playoff drivers behind them. 
and Jeffrey Earnhardt does what Jeffrey Earnhardt does, and Wiggles coming out of turn four and takes five playoff drivers out of the race with him. And let's say that they are four of the five guys who are outside of the top eight right now, or the, the four guys outside of the top eight and someone seventh or eighth. You've got everybody's championship dreams ruined because of a rear marker who probably should be a starting Parker or probably shouldn't even be on the track, but he's willing to do it and he's got a little bit of sponsorship with him. Or do you want it to be the best car, the best driver, the best pit crew? I still think Talladega has no business being in the playoffs the same way Daytona has no business being in the playoffs. They're great races. You see a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. I mean, but racing isn't meant to be 40 cars within two tenths of a second of each other where you can throw a blanket over all of them. Or, I mean, you look, the, I still, the restrictor plate race that I'll never forget is the one where Dale Earnhardt died at Daytona. And that wasn't the, the crash that scared me the most. Tony Stewart was running second and got spun on the backstretch and flipped in the air and landed on his teammate, Bobby Labonte, who was in 28th. If you have that kind of um, chance to ruin somebody's playoff dreams just because somebody taps somebody, it just isn't worth it. I mean, it, to me, if I'm a driver, I'd be screaming up and down to NASCAR as well. Well, it's interesting now because it's sandwiched between two mile-and-a-half racetracks, which in this chase, because that's where you can kind of control your own des- destiny as far as a driver and a team are concerned. Um, and I think that's maybe made so many drivers disappointed in the racing surface this weekend at Charlotte because you sit there and go, now we got Talladega coming up. If you know, For example, Kyle Busch had a tough day at Charlotte. He's got Talladega coming up, and he's going to sit there and go, well, if I wreck a Talladega, it might have to be for me win or go home at Kansas. And he's had a great, great season this year. He's been fast as can be. And you sit there and go, he should be in the close to the championship, but if he wrecks this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway, he could be in big trouble. Um, he also can't might be able to sit in the back, but he needs the points. You know, a twenty eighth place finish. If he sits in the back and finishes twenty eighth and doesn't wreck his race car, I think he's in big trouble there too as well. So you you look at it, you kind of sit there and go, it puts these guys in an interesting scenario because it makes the races between Talladega so important. It makes Kansas important. It makes Charlotte really, really important. uh, Where if this was just a track like, let's say, Sonoma or Watkins Glen, you could kind of control your own destiny a little bit. I see your point for sure. But I think a lot of people look at it and say, we want our champion to be driver that can win anywhere, anytime. I think that's why a lot of people feel like there should be a road course in the chase, which we're getting next year with the Charlotte Roval. Um, so because of that reason, they sit there and go, I want my champion of this sport to be good at every racetrack. I don't want him to be good just at the mile and a half. I don't want him to be good just at the short tracks. I want him to be good everywhere. Super speed racing is included in that. Now, we do that for four times out of 36 races, so we don't do it much. But one time out of 10, 
I don't think it's a big deal. Now, with these stages, I might be able to swallow it even being further up in the chase in the first round. I would be okay with that because now you're sitting there going, well, we're only eliminating four instead of, you know, only eliminating the back four from 12th to 16th, which, you know, I would be okay with. Uh, But when you get to such a crucial part of the season where now we're going from 12 to 8, I think it's a big deal, bigger deal there. Would you mind pushing it back? Do you think it it matters at all that if it's in the chase, if it's in the first round or the second round? I think it – I mean, to me, it shouldn't be in the chase. But if it's going to be in the chase, I almost want to see it in the third round to make it even more challenging. Um, Like I said – you want your champion to be good at everything, correct? The problem is you could be good. You could run the perfect race and somebody else makes a mistake and you're gone. Most of the time you go to a mile and a half, two mile track, somebody makes a mistake. It's them and maybe one or two other people, except maybe Dover where it's self-cleaning, same with Bristol, but they're, I mean, Bristol's not in the chase. Um, It just, to me, is too much of a crapshoot. It's really, it's like, okay, we're going to, you, you play a major league baseball playoff game. Instead of playing with nine people, the one team's going to play with nine. The other team's going to play with eight and good luck. Cause you're almost a man down because so much of this is not in your control. Agree. And it's interesting. What I like about, well, not what I like, but what I find always interesting about, Talladega and Daytona is the entry list because there's always seems to be a driver or two that go on the entry list that you sit there and go, wow, I didn't expect that driver to be there. A couple of drivers this weekend, Justin Marks in the seven and Mark Thompson. Now he's an interesting guy because I want to get your perspective on this. I want to know what you think about this uh, and think about just the whole situation itself. He's a 66-year-old driver, Mark Thompson. He's going to be driving a number 15 car this weekend for Premium Motorsports. Now, um, Premium has gone with a lot of drivers. Derek Cope, they've gone, they're going with uh, DJ Kennington as well this weekend. They've gone with a lot of drivers who haven't had a lot of experience this year. Um, so, who haven't had a, you know, a long... Cope hasn't run in the top 10 in, in God knows how long. But... Cope's an interesting character because he's run at least consistently. Thompson hasn't. Thompson's run, I think he ran three, two or three Xfinity races this year. He's run an ARCA here and there recently, but he hasn't run a lot. He's 66 years old, and he made one cup start in his entire career, John. 25 years ago at Pocono Raceway in 1992, he made a start for Henley Gray, uh, finished 39th in a 40-car field, ran eight laps in his cup career, before an engine blew, running his 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 uh, cup debut in 1992. Now, 25 years later, he's going to be making his second career cup start. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are you okay with NASCAR being? Let me ask you this first: Are you okay with the drivers in the 60s and 70s? You got Morgan Shepard, who's going to be 77 next year, and he plans on running in the Xfinity Series. Uh, what are your thoughts on drivers above 60? Do you think they have a, a place in NASCAR? Or do you think NASCAR might should put in a rule where you sit there and go, listen, if you're 65 or older, uh, we're going to have you go through a test, and we're really going to make you look at what goes on there uh, before we make a decision on whether or not you can drive. What are your thoughts on that? I think 
when you got people like Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart walking away from the sport in their mid forties, Mark Martin was still driving well at 51, 52. Harry Gant was about 53, 54. That's about your cutoff. I mean, that's your big time cutoff and you better be really, really good. Especially when a guy hasn't run a cup race in 25 years. He ran three Xfinity races this year and was probably a starting Parker in most of the three. And unless premium motorsports is just doing this to collect a check and have him start it, pull off 10 laps or 10 laps into the race with a handling issue. I'm okay with it then because they're collecting the check and they're somebody did something for the owner of premium motorsports at one point. I think this is supposed to be, this is supposed to be the big leagues. It's like pulling me out of the stands at Fenway Park to throw the ninth inning in game four of the ALCS. I probably could have done as well as Kimbrell did, but it'd be like pulling me out of the stands to pitch in an American, I mean, in a major league baseball playoff game. That's what I think this is. I mean, it's not like you're pulling Donnie shots out of the world of outlaws. Who's a seven time champion or something like that. You're pulling some guy who's had eight, cup series laps before his engine blew 25 years ago and hasn't been back since it's an embarrassment this is almost (laughs) as embarrassing as the rule changes on a regular basis or how they score pit road penalties or how they do speeding penalties or if they can't figure out who's on the lead lap and they run 10 laps of caution to figure something out or if they haven't figured out where the uh commitment cone is or the back the whenever they were running the uh um, the line on the backstretch for the green-white checker. I mean, Overtime this is embarrassing line. to the sport. It's, I mean, well, it's terrible. It's interesting because I, I never liked, you know, and Morgan Shepard got a bunch of stuff a bunch of years ago when he, when he had that Logano situation with Joe Logano. And to me, you talk about Fenway Park, you talk about being in Major League Baseball, it's an unfair comparison for one reason, one reason only. Those guys get pensions. Those guys get a retirement package that's great. You don't get that in NASCAR or in racing in general. Um, so that's a factor in one where you can't blame these guys for wanting to hang on as much as they can and getting a paycheck because that's what they do, and they don't have a benefits package. They don't have a full-time you know, a retirement package because they're not a union. They don't get the the, the – same privileges as a major league baseball player or a football player does. And I think what makes NASCAR great and what makes racing great is the fact that you can have a 20 year old driver competing against a driver who's 66 years old. Um, But I think there is certainly a time and a place where you look at it and you say, I don't think it's a big deal. If you know, a driver who has run consistently and, and wants to continue his career through 57, 58, um, 59, 60 years old, and they've run pretty consistently. They've at least tried to run, show up to the plate tracks every year, try and make the 8500 every year. I'd be okay with that. And I think, you know, Derek Cope to me, I didn't have any issues with this year because Cope to me is a guy who's really trying to hang on to his career, and you can't blame him. He loves racing. Um, he's a guy who, like I said, they don't have a, a pension plan, and good for him if he wants to hang on to his career. At least he's been out there you know, competing, trying to make NASCAR races, and doing it. Now, my argument to you is, 
and you bring up a fine argument that it's an embarrassment, but these owners have – I don't want to tell these owners who they should and shouldn't hire. That's number one. Number two, if you don't like the way NASCAR qualifies these guys for racing, then maybe you should look at the qualification rules and hate them. Because to me, yes, is it sad that you know somebody goes out there and runs a lap three or four seconds slower in the Xfinity Series – and makes the race. It is sad. Maybe we need to look at how we qualify these guys in these races. If you don't like the people who qualify for the racing, maybe we need to take qualifying and make a completely different way about it and say, listen, where the driver has a big say in it, and if you know a team wants to bring a third car down like BK Racing saying, we cannot run Premium Motorsports, but right now they can't because Premium Motorsports is a charter. And with that charter, they're locked into every show, no matter who they hire. So I think that might be more the issue here, John, is it's not exactly that Mark Thompson is a problem. It's the fact that Mark Thompson will make this race on Sunday without any doubt about it. If he went out there and cut a good lap and qualified his way in, I think we could all sit there and go, he earned his way into this race. But with this chartering system and the fact that he's automatically locked in, I think that might rub people, a lot of people the wrong way. Let's put it this way. If Mark Thompson go, does go out there with a premium motorsports car, which is always at least a second behind everybody else on a mile and a half track, probably a second and a half, two seconds behind on the restrictor plate. If Mark Thompson goes out and tears up the field, if you're the car chief for Kyle Busch and it puts you to where you're a win and an end guy, are you looking for Mark Thompson at the end of the race? Are you looking for the crew guys from Premium Motorsports? Are you looking for the owner of Premium Motorsports to say, why in the hell did you ruin the playoffs? I look at it. You can do this crap in the regular season, put somebody in there and all that stuff. This is the playoffs. You're supposed to put your best foot forward. And I don't think putting a guy with eight career laps in the Cup Series who hasn't driven in the Cup Series in 25 years, drove three Xfinity races, a little bit of ARCA here and there. No. That's where I disagree, though. If this was Bobby Gearhart, I could understand it. But it's the playoffs. I think there should be a – if you're going to drive in the final ten races, which determine who wins the championship – You have to have started X amount of races. Put a number down. Make it a decent number. You must have started at least half the races if you're going to be in the field for the championship. We're telling Xfinity that the Cup guys can't come down and drive in the Xfinity playoffs because they stink up the show. Why are we letting half-ass people come up there and stink up the Cup show? Well, I wouldn't mind mind a rule necessarily, but the fact that we're telling Premier Motorsports you have to hire a driver because of Kyle Busch being in the playoffs. I don't like that at all. Premier Motorsports can do whatever the heck they want. They, uh, to me, that is they should do whatever is best for their organization. And if they feel it's best to have Mark Thompson in that car on Sunday, uh, so be it. I don't think they should worry about Kyle Busch being, winning a championship in the, in the Cup Series. Now, I wouldn't mind if you sat there and said, listen uh, – this is the playoffs. This is Talladega, you know, and I think you might see a rule where if, if that does happen, where if Mark Thompson does take out somebody 
where you might see a rule where a driver complains about it or a team owner complains about it and says, listen, at least say you have to run X amount of NASCAR races or at least make, you know, 15 starts in NASCAR this year or, you know, not be such a, a rookie or a guy with so many, so much inexperience running in the playoffs. I could buy that. You're right. We, we, we talk about not letting the cup guys go down to the Xfinity series. Maybe we should put a rule saying, you know what? Uh, we don't want to see these guys with lack of experience getting into the cup series and ruining the playoffs. I think that that is something that might uh, and potentially have be very good for the, not very good, but be good for the sport and be good in a way. Um, but again, I don't think Mar- premium motorsports should look at, well, Joe Gibbs racing Kyle Busch and make their driver decision off of that. Uh, I don't think that's the well, case, but, but, but Clayton, I when, see your whatever point you're on, looking on the rules, at for sure. When you're looking at it, the goal is to put on the best show possible, correct? Well, that's what you would think NASCAR's goal is. I don't think Premier Motorsports worries about putting on the best show possible. You're supposed to put the car on the track to win the race. That's why you're there. You're supposed to be putting your best foot forward to do everything possible to win the race. If you're looking to put someone in a car who could possibly win a race, you're not going back to a 66-year-old guy with eight laps in his career. You call Greg Biffle. You call some of the other guys who – I know, but then you don't do that. You got Reed Sorensen who's driven a bunch of races. Good point. You've got other guys who've driven for premium motorsports. Heck, I'll take Ross Chastain over this guy. Yeah. Ross Chastain has done well for himself driving for premium motorsports. We don't know what we're getting with a guy with eight laps of cup experience in the playoffs. And that's where I look at, and you brought up a great point about putting on the best show possible. That, to me, is NASCAR's uh, goal. I think that is where qualifying for the race has become a joke. It really has because of these charters. And, again, you brought up a good point. Premium Motorsports is always sort of off the pace. If they went with Mark Thompson, had to race their way in, I don't know if they would do it. they go, geez, we should go with somebody with a little bit more experience who uh, you know, knows how to get around Talladega a little bit better. Now, Talladega's qualifying at these, race, at these restricted plates is a little different, but they might have figured out a way to get somebody in there with a little bit more experience. Um, but now that they're locked in, and I know there's only 40 cars down this weekend, but the only reason why there's 40 cars down this weekend is because it's so hard to get in when – with all these charter teams. I just think we need the, the problem to me, the bigger problem is, and it's still a problem for premium motorsports. Uh, I do see what you're saying where premiums should go out there and do what they do as far as um, try and win the race, but they also got a sponsor to please. And if a sponsor says we want Mark Thompson in the race car, that's the way it's going to go. But to me, it's more obligation of NASCAR to put on the best show possible for the fans. That, to me, is what, we're, what we should be going out and seeing. We shouldn't see uh, teams who have charters constantly run two seconds off the pace and a team that doesn't have a charter not come down or uh, not qualify for an event just because they don't have the charter in. So this chartering situation, the way we qualify for these races, John, to me is the bigger story than Mark Thompson being at Premium Motorsports. Because, again, I think if he doesn't have the charter – they don't go they don't go this route. Well, heck, look at last week where uh the BK racing cars did not 
put a lap of practice in, did not have a lap of qualifying because Ron Devine didn't pay his bills again to Joey Arrington. So the engine tuners didn't put the code in to get the engine that would fire up. And NASCAR let him race. You're supposed to have a lap of practice or qualifying or at least put the car out to qualify. They couldn't start the motor. And NASCAR still let them in. So that shows you how half-assed this damn charter system is to begin with. Yeah, and, I and mean, listen, it's a great point. I mean, think about – how do you think about qualifying? You know, there used to be a rule, and, and it was up enforced in another way, NASCAR making up rules as they go. It used to be enforced where you had to have at least one lap of qualifying or practice to race in the race because of safety issues. How do you feel about NASCAR letting a, a team on the racetrack without making a lap, John? I think it sucks, but they have a charter, and they wound up working out a deal with uh, Joey Arrington to get the chip, I mean, get the code so they could start the engine. So they wound up NASCAR let them in the race. I mean, it's typical NASCAR. I mean, they make the they make the rules up as they go. There's no, I mean, you and I cannot find the official NASCAR rulebook anywhere. There's stuff that they put out to the teams. They put the uh, little uh, directives out during the time. They put bulletins out here and there. But you and I don't have access to it. Neither does the average normal fan. So we're taking the word of whatever the guys in the TV booth find out, but they don't have the official rule book in their hand. I mean, Latart may know most of them from a couple years ago, whatever he was in, he might be able to go to Hedrick and say, hey, can you help a brother out, find out how I can not sound stupid up here? But there's no official rule book out there. You can go to Major League Baseball and find the Major League Baseball rule book. You can go to the NFL and find the NFL rule book. Same with hockey, same with basketball. You can't find it with NASCAR because it changes every other week. Yeah, listen, it's I agree, and I think it all ties into the chartering system as far as BK Racing is concerned because you're right. If that happened two years ago, before the chartering system, there would have been two or three teams that would have been able to make their qualifying lap, and BK Racing goes home. And I'm not trying to blame Corey Joy or Brett Moffitt because I don't think the drivers or even the team members had anything to do with this. But I'm just making this statement. I don't think BK Racing should have ran last weekend. I think it's appalling that they could not make a qualifying lap. And I know they presented the car for inspection. Give me the break. Um, but I think it's appalling that they didn't get a, a lap on the racetrack. And I know it rained Saturday, and they probably would have practiced on Saturday. But their first laps on the racetrack was the race on Sunday. Now, they definitely were performance-wise by that. But at the end of the day, I just think, what kind of product are we showing these teams? And uh, I think you're going to see, you might see teams later say, smaller teams especially, well, I don't want to run practice and qualifying because I don't have the money to do it. I'll just skip and go right to the race. You've opened up that can of worms by allowing UK Racing to do that. Right. And the sad part is you hear me griping, moaning, complaining all about it. I love the sport. I just want to see it me right. Too. Me too. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think everybody can preach to that. Well, thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles tonight. We'll be back here on Sunday after Talladega, the Alabama 500. Good night, everybody.